Hello and welcome to another episode of Lectures of Fallen Wisdom. Today I'm going to talk about the crack of simple carbs. It is a crack. Okay? Now, some people are like pretty good at just eating them um, some of the time. But each time you eat them, it builds itself up. It fucks with you. If, you. if you're the kind of person that can just smoke crack and walk away and never want to smoke it again, okay, I just don't think most people are that way. And I think what's happened in the society is that simple carbs, they perpetuate themselves. They make you hungry for the same sort of simple carb, and then you eat your way into decay uh, overweightness, brittle bones, diminished cells for the thrill of the simple carb. It's a thrill. It's a, it's a psychological comfort. If you're stressed out, simple carbs will calm you down for a time to make, give you the knowledge of good and evil. And once you have the knowledge of good and evil, you can no longer float above it. You can no longer live in the Garden of Eden. Simple carbs take you out of the Garden of Eden, like mentally. And they make you also like dependent mentally and physically on more empty food. And then you become hollowed out. You become an emotional roller coaster. You become a very frustrated human being. You become just... A, a victim of everything you become you can no longer even be like happy at all and then you age it's I'm starting to think that uh, like it's like well you can't eat bread I love bread yeah people live on bread man pizza is a drug Okay, it's not it's not a drug that you can um it's a drug posing as a meal. Now, don't get me wrong, like if you're vibrating at a certain level and you're riding high and you're like so focused and you're and you're burning yourself like you're just like you're you're doing the right exercises and you're like exercising all the time. Like you can afford to like put away, eat a few things that you shouldn't eat. And I'm not saying you can never have them, but just understand what they are. Just understand what they are. You don't have to, like, restrict it. You don't have to be like, oh, I'll never eat any carbs. Although that would be the smart thing to do, put you in, in the ability to have to resist them. They become irresistible afterwards. Now, especially if you're, like, in, like, you're, like, almost at the level of diabetes, like, if your blood sugar levels are basically normal, you probably don't have this problem. But if you have any kind of high blood sugar, you are going to be a fiend. And that's like, that could be a natural condition that just you just produce more sugar because your body produces enough sugar. If you just eat, if you just don't eat carbohydrates, like simple carbohydrates, obviously if you eat like 
a couple pieces of fruit a day, you're not going to add that much to it because there's so much water in it. But, like, if you eat more than that, if you just, like, start going crazy on fruit and just only eat fruit, guess what, motherfucker? You're going to get fat. People are like, oh, you can't get fat on fruit. Of course you can. In fact, that was the whole process of most animal, like most cells. Like when what we would do is we would fatten ourselves up for the winter, so that we wouldn't have to survive. We wouldn't have to be eating as much because we could rely on our stored fat, and we fatten ourselves up by eating the bounty of the fruit that was on the land that was just falling from every tree. Naturally, we got fatter. We ate more. We ate more calories. People are like, oh, fruit has water and has fiber, and therefore it is, you cannot get fat on fruit. You get fat on fruit, you age on fruit. Somehow I, uh, like, I set off my phone and, like, it searched, you know, whether or not, like, you could get, like, um, fat from fruit. And every single doctor would be like, no, you can't. But that's what animal, that's what our species and other animals have done for millions and millions of years. They get fat on fruit. There was not, there was no like processed food back then, but they put on a little more fat. And they would do it using fruit. The fruit can make you fat. Anything with sugar, not only that, but if you eat like more than a, a, a piece of fruit a day, and even that, like I'm, I'm debating because I'm like, is this still like, too good like i think i think you can get away with like an apple's worth a little more a day of fruit maybe not though may change my mind on that i keep looking at this um this thing happening in the bible where they're just like don't eat that fruit and i just think it's fruit in general but like how can you resist a good fruit right i mean surely you can eat some of it I just think if you go overboard, it's probably not a good thing. And it'll make you a fiend for more. That's the thing. It's like the more that you eat sugar that doesn't, isn't like matched with a certain amount of vitamin, even it just, there's no way to offset that amount of sugar. Like you're taking a hit anytime you take any kind of sugar into you. And um, it's, it's just you have to be, like, conservative with it. But the thing is, is if you eat anything but fruit and, like, so maybe some beans, if you eat anything more simple than that, like a simple sugar, anything made with simple sugar, and even, like, these, like, um, there's this sweetener called allulose, which is really weird. It's totally zero, tastes good, tastes like syrup. And uh, it, it, I just don't know where it comes from, but... There's all these experimentations and cutting out the sugar. And people who have, they lose weight, and they're happier. They're, they just feel, like, more even keel. They don't, they don't have, like, moments of bad mood and depression, and they don't have hard mornings, and they don't have to drink coffee to feel awake. Um, you just get dependent on coffee. That's the thing. It, like, just becomes kind of like your go-to feel-good thing that you do in the morning and it's like a ritual and you start to feel like it just kind of gives you a sense that the morning's fine and everything is good. 
So I can understand the coffee ritual, and I'm sure it goes back millions and millions and millions of years. And it includes the caffeine. It's the idea that, like, you can just do a decaf, and it's just as it gets you just the right way that a, a coffee does is wrong. So it's like all these things, like a good cigarette, like even though cigarettes are killers and if you do them over and over again, you get fucking cancer, a good cigarette, like the in the perfect moment, there's nothing like it. It's just like after you do a show, after you have sex, after you have some kind of extremely um, elevating moment, the cigarette even, like, kicks it into a little higher gear just for a moment. Then it kind of crashes you down. But in that moment, it's like a magic moment that you're that, – that this is these are the kind of moments that your molecules came together for. Not the cigarette per se, but the cigarette after winning the Grand Prix in France. The cigarette after kicking the ass of a bully. You know what I mean? Like where you're the superhero in your movie. So it's just like everything is about matching, is, is trying to accentuate the moment. So if you just, all you do is like smoke cigarettes, like another cigarette is not going to be a big thing. But if you're willing to have one in these, in, in some of the, in the real magical moments, you'll see like, but then, You'll become addicted to that feeling and you'll have a cigarette like while you're watching like, you know, a rerun of Seinfeld or something and you won't get the same thing from it. Like, and that's the same thing with all drugs, all my, it's, they have to be met with the moment and you have to become an art artist in, in applying these different potions to your brain. But that's a little tangent. But the idea here is that you're trying to get yourself above, back in the Garden of Eden. What is the Garden of Eden? The Garden of Eden is a place that is free of anxiety. Do you have anxiety? Do you have any anxiety inside of you? Search for it. Feel it. Do you have it? Can you just kind of visualize it? It's in your body. There it is. Anxiety. What's it about? All kinds of things. You know, what if this, what if that, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, fuck this, fuck, oh, shit, how am I going to do this, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, going of distorted thoughts and worries, and it's your personal check system that everything's going fine. That's the fucking irony of the anxiety. It's reminding you, it's your little, like, reminder box where you put all the things you're afraid of, and because you're afraid of them, you remember to take action on them. So that's why people can't get rid of your anxiety. You can't get rid of it. If you got rid of it, then you'd forget anything that you had to do. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have like problems to work on because you would just get, you, your anxiety would be gone. Your anxiety is the thing remembering. Your anxiety is just your memory of the shit that you have to do that you're not doing right now. Everybody has that anxiety. But it gets really bad when you're in, like, a low blood sugar state. It gets, like, unbearable. And then you start to subvert it with other things. And the main thing that you subvert it with is evil to yourself and to others. 
you start to delve into like some really evil thoughts. Not necessarily like killing or hurting anybody, but still engaging in hurtful behavior that would hurt them if they if people saw that the behavior. And you get off on this. You you become sort of evil. Uh, and and the reason people are evil is because they are so, so um, they're so trying to like deny the fact they're, they're just their anxiety level is so high that it distorts their view of things. It just makes them go off on a weird behavioral tangent. And if they just dealt with their anxiety, they wouldn't they wouldn't become evil. I mean, there's like sort of a straight line with sociopaths. Like they just deal with their anxiety by being cruel to others. And that becomes like somehow it, it, or they're just numb. But that numbness comes from the reaction to an overload of anxiety. So your anxiety level is there. It's always there. You're always going to have it. It's your, it's just your memory. You should be thankful you have it. Core failure of all systems that try to help people, especially the ones that are the, the newer ones that are like, remember the now. In the now, there is no anxiety. In the now, there is nothing. You are just in the now. And of course, you can kind of, that's, I mean, that's a great idea, but you just, you, you, you can do that for a moment. But the thing is, it's like you always fall back into your anxiety. Your anxiety is there. So what is it? It's something to, you remember things. It's, it's a little box. It's little, you know, those drawers that you have everything in it and the, and you, that's where you go and you try to find something that you don't know where it is. That's your anxiety drawer. And your anxiety mind is like a drawer like that. It has all these things thrown into it. And you're there just thinking about it. And they're all jumbled together. So it's just they all jumble together into a, into a thick sludge of anxiety that you have to wade through like fucking pee goddamn suit. And you're constantly pushing up against it and because it's, you just kind of want to distract yourself from it by doing things that are a little bit naughty, a little bit like subversive, that are a little bit counterproductive, let's just say. And I don't, I'm not sure exactly why that is. I think because you're actually trying to sabotage yourself so that you notice what's going on, one way of doing it. It's you trying to wake up to the fact that, like, look, don't don't try to, like, don't – you can take a drug. There's, like, if you take MDMA, for example, it wipes out your anxiety for that moment for, like, a few hours. And you can kind of learn from it by saying, like, oh, this is how it is when I – like, not so much that my anxiety has gone, but I'm not reacting to it. I'm just sort of, like – I'm, I'm, I'm just, if I can get rid, if it would just go away, I would be like the happiest person. It doesn't help me emotionally. In fact, it hurts me emotionally. And you notice that. And you realize, okay, what can I do about this? 
this I have I'm, I'm I can't let go of my anxiety because my anxiety is my storage of information that I need to make sure that I don't fuck up. Like in the traditional um, setting, like your anxiety walking through some woods is because you're on guard. To, if there's a charging tiger, you want to you want to matador that motherfucker, and you need to have your wits about you. So your anxiety is keeping your wits up. Your your anxiety is actually keeping you in the now. So you can kind of appreciate it as focus. It's the focus of your unconscious mind is anxiety. It's 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 focus. And what I mean by focus is it's it's attention. It's 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 awake and it's like I gotta think about these things just because these are the problems I'm dealing with and as a long term being I need to I need to tackle these issues. So you're, there's nothing wrong with having problems in your mind that are in the back of your mind. That is your anxiety, right? You can't expect not to have that. Less, um, less freaked out about it. Less conflicted. There's not, there's no conflict here. Everybody has that. Fine to have it. Don't chide yourself for having anxiety. Just understand what it is, why it's there, and that it's not it's not there to make you feel bad. It's it's there to to hey, by the way, there's these things that you have to deal with. It's all it is. It's a reminder of the shit you had to deal with. Nothing more, nothing less. So, if you're reacting to it in a way that's like if it's hurting you, if it's like sawing away if it's just so annoying to you that you're doing self-destructive things you're trying to wake yourself up and be like dude stop doing self-destructive stop stop getting reacting so much to this anxiety it's it's not there to hurt you it's there to just remind you that things like need to be taken care of at some point not now you can have fun but you you have to come back and just like do the work of life, and I believe that's like mostly what the anxiety is. It's just like, are you going to get this done? Are you going to, you know, you have this test or this this commitment? Now you can always understand that, like you can you should. You should put some time into making your unconscious anxiety conscious and and ticking through the things that you want to work on. So you make a, you know, you just kind of make a list in your head. You're like, okay, here's something I'm worried about. What are all the things I'm worried about? Make them explicit and be like, what are all the things I'm worried about? They're like, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. I mean, that's why it's really good to go to psychiatrists. Like, if you can swing the money, like, you'll only be more intelligent by going to one because you just think out loud, and it helps you to think. It helps you to develop your mind. And, like, even if it costs a lot of money, like, it's worth more than all the other shit you spend money on. I guarantee you. Even though I don't do it, I know it to be a fact. I'm reluctant to do it because 
um, I tend to become I, I, I tend to give lectures to the um, to the psychiatrist in a way that I believe like puts them to sleep. And I've put so many fucking psychiatrists to sleep, man, that I almost like I get frustrated. You know what I mean? I think it's the tone of my voice or whatever. Like, it's very calming in a quiet room, and it's very hard for people to do it when they hear it. I don't know, but but I recommend it because it's been tremendously helpful for me, and it helps you to take your anxiety and just read it out. So that then you can just like come up with next steps, and and what you're doing with the therapist is just coming up with a next step in the problem that you're just constantly wigging about. And now that you have a next step, and you have a something to instead of just like oh I have this problem I don't know how to deal with it, you have actually some way to deal with it. You're making a move, and you feel more solid with that that little brick of anxiety. And if you can go back and, like, then your anxiety becomes very mild and just, like, a mild reminder, but understanding that you've come up with, a, for each thing that you're having doubts about, you have some kind of step that you've decided that you're going to take in the future to deal with it. So you have to, you have to like, at some point in your day, be like, okay, what is this anxiety? Like, what... What are my what are the the readout of my problems and let me come up with for each problem a next step, and then your mind says okay hey, he's come up with the next step he's thought about it, your anxiety grows when it's just like hey you're not paying attention to this, hey you haven't even given this like one conscious thought you're just living your life like this didn't happen or this is not going to happen that's a problem. And so your anxiety starts to grow the more you just, you don't make explicit what the fuck is there. Your messages, your 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 voicemail box becomes totally full, and it explodes. Now it would be great if your anxiety level could just become full like voicemail, but that's not what happens. It just grows and grows and grows, and it becomes so unbearable to deal with that it grows even further, and then you never want to open it. And people do this from childhood all the way up, and they have so many fucking things, that so many problems that they haven't even thought of because they just ignore it. They just, it's like they have, they have their anxiety, and all it is is just a ringing phone that they never answer. That's, that's how most people deal with their anxiety. They're fucking ringing, annoying like loud, shitty, old-fashioned phone that you can't, that you just don't answer, that you have to keep consciously saying, no, I'm not answering that. I'm not answering that. How fucking annoying would that be? You'd, you'd rip the phone out of the wall after a while. But you can't do that with your anxiety. You have to, you have to come to the phone every once in a while, have a discussion with it, find out the next steps, Calm it down a little. It's an animal inside of you. You understand your anxiety. It's your thinking animal. It's part of your brain. Part The part that evolved that kept you surviving and kept the human being uh, surviving for all this time. And it's part of you. So don't, like, try to get rid of it, like, take drugs to fucking, like, kill it or whatever. No. Talk to it to you 
and then you, it's your little inner child. I think I've done a show on this, how your anxiety is just this little kid that you're raising, that you're training, that you're teaching to be, you're teaching how that anxiety is supposed to, to take care of things. Each time you're, you deal with your anxiety, you're, you're training it to be actually a better form of anxiety, a form that actually alerts you to real dangers and not the ones that kind of like annoy you. You don't, your anxiety should not be triggered by annoyance and it should not be triggered by trivial matters. And your anxiety starts to learn what a trivial matter is. Interrogate your anxiety. And then you'll, come, you'll figure out next steps for each problem. Now, what does this have to do with carbs being cracked? <laughs> I'm going to have to change the title of this. But, like, carbs are cracked because they, they increase your, your – they make your anxiety level go higher. If your blood sugar is really low, it makes you, one, go for more simple carbs. Two, it makes you very, like um, – your anxiety level becomes unbearable, and you just – you have no desire to even – and no energy to deal with it. So you just ignore it further, and it just puts you in a long cycle of of just ignoring your anxiety and then just, like, letting it overtake you. And then you have to do all kinds of horrible things, get fat, take drugs, become a fucking, you know, just do all these kind of self-destructive things when all you needed to do was to be like, hey, what am I worried about? Oh, those things? Okay, well... This is what I'm going to do here. This is what I'm going to do with that. And, like, I've, you know, just, like, acknowledge your anxiety. Like, don't just ignore it. But it becomes really, like, and, and you know what simple carbs do? They're, like, really good at helping you ignore it. That's why they're so awesome. Because when you start really, your anxiety level starts really pumping up and you just, you start eating some, uh, like, comfort food, it's just, like, everything's fine. It takes you back to your childhood especially if you were raised on that kind of food. And there's probably an evolutionary reason there that, like, if you are eating these things, like, things are good. But you then fall into the trap of just, like, instead of dealing with your anxiety, instead of, like, interrogating it, you're eating your way through it. Or you're eating to quell it. taking drugs to quell it, or you're fucking engaging in high-risk, low-reward behavior to, to do it. And also, like, you're, you're, you're interested in subversion. You're interested in, like, cheating on your wife or fucking your, you know, like, your cousin or something. I mean, just, like, <laughs> just saying, like, you're into some perverse shit. Trust me tried all of it. Well, I never fucked my cousin, but still, like, I'm, what I'm saying, look, understand this. 
bliss. We're chasing bliss. Simple carbs will not get you there. They might get you there for a moment. They might even get you there for an hour. And they are blissful. But man cannot live on bread alone. I always like interrogated that statement. That's a Jesus statement. Man cannot live on bread alone. What does he mean? Saying food is not enough. But he says bread. He understands that bread has been a substitute for God, has become a substitute for feeling God, for, for becoming spiritual. All these bread products, like, turn you into a human robot with no spirituality, but a very, a very broken one, a, a one that runs down quickly. And good it does. Who would want an immortal asshole? I mean, hey, you're going to be a dick because you just choose to eat in a way that makes you a dick. What can we do for you except try to weed you out? God separates the wheat from the chaff, thrown out. All these things, just these little messages out of Jesus' ministry, which I am not, I do not consider myself Christian. But I listen to like his, that guy's words. And I take them liberal. And also just the parallels. He does talk in parallels. He does talk in analogy. I need to go, but I'm going to continue on this. There might might be a part two to this. This is Lectures of Paul.